Artist. Who okay, E forty. There it is. <laughs> What's the name of the song? Like every song he ever does. What's the name of it? Yeah, you know what the name of it is. Do it again. Tell me when to go. Tell me when to go. Tell me when to go. <laughs> Tell me when to go. Go dumb, dumb, dumb. Uh, I know it, but I just can't think of what it is. It's. Yeah, uh, I, can, I can think of that head. Or that you don't know what it is either. Now, but it's called Tell Me When to Go. That's what it's called. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Shake them dreads. Shake them dreads. <laughs> Is that with Keek the Sneak? Ghost Ride the Whip. Yeah, Keek the Sneak. Mr. Fab, that's a good song. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have to do your own little spinoff podcast. Just like obscure hip hop. <laughs> my favorite oh, line. That wasn't obscure. My favorite that was, line. That was pretty mainstream. E-40 back is a pretty obscure guy. Like He had one hit, but... That's about it. Are you shit me? He just had like five hits last year. He's a legend. Oh, yeah. He's, he's featured for... on a track. It's not his hit. He made his song into an insurance commercial. <laughs> yeah, I loved that commercial. <laughs> or a car loan. It's not insurance. It's yeah, car loans. Yeah. That lady that used to be on Mad TV. Yeah. What's uh, what's that commercial? It's I don't remember. What Need a car loan? Yep. <laughs> Got a lot of money? Nope. <laughs> Song's good. The song's in American Honey. They all okay. sing it. And they say, yep. And then you hear the rap. Nope. That's yeah. what they redid on this car commercial. When I saw that That's commercial, E-40. I was like, <laughs> Sam didn't know the song. And I was like, do they have the rights to that song? Because <laughs> that is literally the fucking song. <laughs> nope. <laughs> all right. Well, welcome back. It's WTM. Watch this movie coming at you hot. <laughs> The four banger today. Getting hyphy. Hyphy. <laughs> uh first up we got Alex, the bicep Jones. What's going on? Nothing is going on. Beef jerky time. You want some beef jerky? I just introduced you before myself. Yeah, I don't know what you're doing over there. <laughs> you kind of cut across the room. I thought you'd go clockwise or counter. Well, he, does, he does what he wants. Number. I hey. do the numbers. You're doing on the like, board here. Got the numbers over here. On you're the board. number one. No, you're, he's number two. I'm number one. So I was like, <laughs> I almost hit the number one for you. Are you I was gonna like, ta- wait, that's me. Are you going to take that? He just calls you a number two. Who does number two Well, you're a number one. three, so you can't even talk to a number two. <laughs> I'd rather be a number three than a shit. <laughs> uh, my name is Eric Mulder. So he says, 
wrecked him, damn near killed him. We got Mr. Wolfie T back in the house. What's going on? In the house. I'm kicking it live, homie. Kicking the stupid dog moves. Busting it out. <laughs> what, ha- what happened? We'll have you explain that clip in just a minute, but <laughs> let's get uh, Jason over here. What's going on, dude? Hey. Jason's a legend, Jimmy. A legend. Jason's a legend, Jimmy. Oh. <laughs> a legend. Jason's a legend, Jimmy. A legend. I don't know. You got you fucking loop, right. You looped it three times. times. <laughs> Jesus. Jason on loop. <laughs> I didn't tell it to loop. It just did that by itself. Sure. I don't know how to loop it. <laughs> <laughs> You've been doing this two years. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> well, that's what we got Jason. Help produce the show. Get the quality up there. Might have to change that clip a little bit with the... Uh, I don't know, it just didn't sound the... It was pretty loud, but... Mm. I mean, yeah. I can fix that easy enough, but maybe I'll just record it sounded again. fine. It just looped. Oh. <laughs> just that legendary. You're right. So, Brett, what the fuck is your scene? I'm kicking the stupid dope moves. That's what I do. <laughs> what is that from? It's from the movie called Fresh. Came out in 94. With oh. Samuel L. Jackson. I feel like I've heard of it. It's about a uh, 12-year-old drug runner. Who uh, pits his bosses against each other after some random acts of violence get him upset? <laughs> nice. Well, and, his, was... and his friend Chucky kicks the stupid dope moves. <laughs> <laughs> he texts me like the movie and the spot. He's like, hour three minutes in, go there. So I'm fast forwarding through Xfinity and I noticed there's a lot of chess being played in the movie. It seemed like Samuel Jackson was just teaching chess to this kid the whole time. Samuel Jackson is his dad. Okay. Uh, who he's not supposed to see, so they just play chess in the park. Mm. That makes sense. That's basically all he does is play chess with them. Because I was like, Samuel Jackson keeps on showing up, but it fucker's just playing chess the whole time. He doesn't. But this have, was a fresh movie. He's the wise man. <laughs> well, fresh is the main character. Okay, it's his nickname. So, he pretty fresh. He's pretty fresh. I don't think he's fucking old enough to have earned that nickname. So. Are you kidding me? Fresh is uh, means like new, young. <laughs> yeah, but on the streets, it's a little different. What, what they don't when, you, when a couple in the in the streets have a kid, they don't say that's a fresh baby you got there. Well, they also don't have the fresh king of Bel Air. He's the prince. He's young, fresh. What? <laughs> what are we talking? <laughs> are we talking that's TV. That's TV shows. That has, lost has no influence. <laughs> My bad. He's way off. <laughs> This is a little harder than the Fresh Prince, this movie. All right. Well, let's get into some film news. Oscar noms came out yesterday. Today's Wednesday, the 22nd? 4th? 24th? 24th, Year of Our Lord, 2018. Praise him. (laughs) (laughs) We would be remiss if we didn't mention and... uh, Let's be the first ones to wish you a happy new year. (laughs) Hey guys, to the next step. <laughs> I would be remiss if I didn't uh, mention the great blackout of 2018 that happened last week. Dun, dun, dun. Where producer Jason deleted all of the WTM files. God damn it. <laughs> I, th- I thought you were talking about hashtag time, so. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I want my pin back, Jason. <laughs> yeah. That's all right. He was uh, helping me out with some stuff 
I'm uh, the old MacBook here, and well, wouldn't you know it, a bunch of stuff got deleted. It was on accident, and he was actually, well, we were trying, it's very hard to explain what happened, but he was actually doing a good thing, and he was figuring it out, but. We were uninstalling a useless piece of software, mm-hmm. and those files somehow ended up inside a folder that that uninstaller deleted. Mm-hmm. It was, you're, you're asleep already, aren't you, folks? But yeah, ipso facto, files are gone. So, the limited clips. That's why the clips sound different slightly. But mine's brand new. <laughs> yeah, yours is fresh. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> it's pretty solid. Pretty solid pun. But yeah, don't worry about it there, Jaybird. Uh, we'll. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like we'll... to take a moment to uh, say my formal apology. Worry <laughs> right about it. He's uh he's gonna be. Helping me improve the quality of the audio. So from here on out, bigger and better things from WTM Studios, let me tell you. It's going to be crisp. <laughs> he just wanted to get rid of everything that didn't have him on it. Because <laughs> we're starting anew. <laughs> delete. <laughs> delete, delete, delete. This thing didn't exist before me. The era of Jason yeah. has begun. Well, that's why he brought four clips over. Right. <laughs> and then he looped them. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about the Oscar nominees. First up, we're going to start with the biggest. We're not going to go through every category, but best picture. So there's Call Me By Your Name, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Get Out, Lady Bird, Phantom Thread, The Post, The Shape of Water, and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. So... There's a few in there that I would say are kind of quote unquote heavy hitters has a lot of buzz. We're not going to do predictions this episode. That'll probably come the week before the Oscars or around the same time or episode as Jones and I go through our top 10 films of 2017. It'll be about the time we do it because we'll probably give our predictions around then. So mm-hmm. maybe it'll be one big super episode. Yeah. So we're going to revisit our list from last year. Ooh. Best of 2016. See how made they might have changed since then. So, be looking out for that in about a month. Y'all have fun recording that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Brett's lucky if he watches five new movies a year. I watch a lot of old movies. Yeah, he watches that. a lot of movies. That's why it's good to have you on the show. You provide a nice little balance, so that we're not just talking about new releases every week. I mean, I watch older movies too, but you watch. Watch it more frequently than I do, I'd say. Watch a lot of TCM. Yeah. You're what, a classic. You watch a lot of TCM? You're just a Turner hound. Not a, not a lot. Just like <laughs> la- TCM, I wouldn't say that. Just like last time, you know, we talked about Never Too Young to Die. That was a TCM Turner classic mm-hmm. movie. Which I subs- subsequently watched and uh, agree with Brett that it is a whole lot of fun and a WTM eventually. There you go. That one about... Oh, you should listen to that episode because uh, yeah, we don't have time to get into it here. Sounds pretty crazy. Was that? Yeah, it's the that uh, the... the one before Terror Train. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, they can't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't the last one. It was the one before. Now I'm confused. <laughs> <laughs> They're still out there if you want to listen to them. Jason didn't delete the ones that are out. <laughs> <laughs> They're still there. <laughs> I did my best, but they, they survived somehow. <laughs> All right. Well, initially, 
I don't know if there's a lot of snubs necessarily for best picture, but I guess the biggest snubs out of the whole Oscars and we're going to go through more nominees, but the biggest snubs that I read about is basically Wonder Woman, James Franco and Army Hammer. Now, I was even hearing some buzz like a couple months ago, like, you know, Wonder Woman could be nominated for Best Picture. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I liked Wonder Woman a lot. It's uh, probably my favorite superhero movie of the year. Nah, not mine. I liked Wonder Woman a lot. Logan, mm-hmm. I think, would have, in yeah, my opinion, should have been nominated. Oh, yeah? Over Wonder Woman. Uh, if you're going to pick a superhero movie. Yeah. But it's Guardians the, of the it's Galaxy the 2 is pretty good. Yeah. It's the Oscars. How many superhero movies have been nominated? Yeah. Dark Knight. And I mean, people are even right. up, you know, throwing their hands up in the air at the Dark Knight. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> why there's nine nominees this year is because right. of the Dark Knight. But I would say Wonder Woman didn't touch the Dark Knight. I mean, the Dark Knight does have that, I guess, to its credit, that it actually changed the Academy. Mm-hmm. I mean, they wouldn't say, well, this is fact. This is exactly what happened. But that's what fucking happened because everyone bitched about it. Lo and behold, the next year. You know what? We're gonna have ten nominees. Yeah. And then it was, well, you don't have to have ten, but you can have ten if you want. <laughs> but uh, and then, see, Army Hammer's gotten a lot of buzz and awards already for his uh, supporting performance in Call Me by Your Name. Uh, so that was kind of a snub. And then James Franco was not nominated for Best Actor, even though he won the Golden Globe. But that was also musical or comedy category. Well, there was some uh, stuff came out after the Golden Globes, too, about James Franco. Yeah. Well, even during the Golden Globes. Yeah. Even because who hosted it again? Golden Globes? Seth Meyers. Seth Meyers, yeah. He made that joke about, he was talking about the show The Deuce on HBO. And he was, yeah, it's about a time in New York that was so shady that there was two James Francos. (laughs) Because he plays... um, Plays twins. Twin brothers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, they were already kind of cracking jokes before he even won that night. <laughs> but, yeah, people on Twitter were livid. Give me my pin back. So people are not happy with James Franco. Although Allison Brie, she had to come to her family's. That was another thing. I did not know Allison Brie was married to Dave Franco. Did you know that? Jones? No, who's Allison Brie? Um, from Community. And oh, yeah, okay. That's Mad what I thought. Men. Yep. No, I didn't Pete's, know that. Pete's wife, or they get divorced towards the end, don't they? Spoilers. Yeah, they do. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, everybody gets divorced in that show because everyone's banging everybody. But I didn't know they were married. Yeah. That was kind of surprising because I think she's, she must be like four or five years older than Dave, you'd think. Yeah. You'd Mm -hmm. think Dave would be so young. I mean, she's young too, but. Seems younger. Regardless, she was like, you know, I came out in support of her brother-in-law james but i don't know everyone's trying to support everybody while also condemning what they supposedly did <laughs> so everyone doesn't know what to do in hollywood because most people are mm, i wouldn't it's say responsible but i mean everyone's kind of involved in one way or another well because they all yeah. know they've sold out a little bit <laughs> yeah. yeah me and sam were talking about today because uh, i read dylan farrow yeah and woody allen's what, daughter yeah, there was their adopted daughter. She came out, I believe, yeah, bitching about Justin Timberlake mm-hmm. with his pinup, and she's like, "You were in his movie last year, mm-hmm. so you're." And that goes back to the whole Woody Allen conversation. 
Yeah. I mean, right. For some reason, people love him. They still praise him to death, but his own daughter accused him of molesting her as a kid, and he's got all kinds of weird shit, but he's still... A-list actors are lining up behind him every single yeah. year. Yeah. I mean, Justin Timberlake shouldn't be called out by himself because there's tons of other big stars and... I know it called. seems like Wonder it's only only the last yeah, Wonder Wheel. Only the it, men but... are kind of getting called out for <sighs> Woody Allen movies, and it's like Kate Winslet's in that. Yeah. Kate Blanchett won an Oscar just a yeah. few years ago for a Woody Allen movie. This yeah. actress, and it's like yeah. nobody's giving shit to them. It's like Kate I, Blanchett right. is revered as a role model for actresses and women, pretty much all over Hollywood. They all got a price. She don't put up mm-hmm. a shit. But Woody Allen thing is just funny to me because it's like. How long ago was Annie Hall? <laughs> like, yeah, we get it. It was good. You keep on making the same movie over and <laughs> over again. It's the same thing. <laughs> but no. All right. Well, let's get on some more nominees here. So did you think any, do we already cover the best picture? You thought yep. snubs? So you thought no snubs? Well, uh, I mean, there's movies that I love that I wish would have gotten on here, like Blade Runner 2049. Or, you know, It Comes at Night or Wind River. You know the background of how movies are nominated, right? We'll go over it. Probably better than the three of us. Yeah, somewhat. Well, but I mean, they're also... Do you want to explain? Well, there's a lot that goes into it, too. It's you basically have to have a campaign. Right. The studio will campaign for your movie or they won't campaign for your movie because they're campaigning for another movie that that studio did. It's kind of, well, which one's a little more popular, at least with, you know, maybe with the cultural times. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so they might pick a more socially progressive film just because that's what's being talked about. Um, or just anything. It doesn't have to be political or social. It could just kind of anything generally in the, I guess, national zeitgeist, kind of what's going on at the time. So if you don't campaign... Let's say you have blockbuster, super popular movie, but don't campaign. Yeah, you ain't getting shit. And that's... Goes think, the same way with actor think, and actress right. nominations as yep. well. Yep. So, I mean, who's the one that actually decides, like, we're going to nominate this movie or this person? It's the Academy, isn't it? Well... Or are you talking about, you talking what, about the, studio? the studios? Like, how they decide? Well, so who's who's doing the campaigning, and then who's... The studios like, who's do the campaigning, producers, things like that. And then the Academy, which is made up of... Uh, it's a bunch of Hollywood people. Yeah. Bunch of old white men. Yeah. <laughs> Not anymore. So I was reading a little bit about <laughs> this. Oscar's like, so woke. They've had the biggest inclusion of people in general over the last three years, and it's pretty much all minorities. Um, and so it's... The diversity of the Academy is now much greater... Right. And you can't really blame a lot of shit for old white men anymore. I mean, especially after fucking Moonlight one last year. Plus, they kicked. Yeah, I liked Har- Moonlight, but they they kicked Harvey Weinstein out. You can't tell me that Moonlight won because a bunch of old white men voted for it. So, obviously, things have changed. Did you see Get Out? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see a bunch of old white men voting for Moonlight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, or Get Out. Um, <laughs> So I mean that's it's changed in a you know positive direction. So if people don't get nominated anymore, they really shouldn't be bitching about the diversity as much. And, and plus, they put um, minority in charge of the academy now, at least in terms of who 
gets in or out. It's a different title. I don't know if it's president of the Academy or vice president of new or like new members. I don't know what the hell they call it, but there's a position like that. And that's a, a minority. Um, so they've definitely done a lot in that department. Were you saying you were reading about it? Oh yeah. Just cause I didn't want to go into this podcast totally uninformed. So oh, yeah. I read a little bit about like the Academy Awards versus Golden Globes. So the Academy Awards is like the American film industry mm-hmm. looking at itself basically. Right. Yep. And then the Golden Globes is like foreign critics mm-hmm. looking in to the American film industry. Yep. Yeah. And but they, I think the campaigning thing is always important to call out because a lot of people don't get why all these artsy, less mainstream movies are nominated every year. Like they always see art house, not art house movies, but less mainstream movies. Call me by your name. Like that isn't, I get it's promoted and it's pretty widespread, but it's a heavy drama. You always mm-hmm. see movies like that, and I think most people always think, well, if it's a super popular movie and really well-reviewed, why isn't it nominated? Like, everybody loves it. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's probably because it wasn't campaigned for. Yeah. But, I mean, Harvey Weinstein, that's what he'd do for a lot of his films. <clears throat> and right. a lot of his films did very well at the Academy. Yeah. <laughs> at the Oscars. So, I mean, that'd be like one person. Uh, kind of a weird example would be last year. Remember we talked about Andrew Garfield. He was nominated for Best Actor for Heartbreak Ridge, but not Silence, even though you and I both thought he was probably better in Silence than Heartbreak Ridge. I mean, he's, they're both good performances, but it's like, well, how do they kind of choose one or the other? And it's kind of like, well, you know, this movie's going to be nominated for Best Director and Picture, we think, and this movie's not. So sometimes, I mean, I think there was also different studios, but sometimes just the voting will get split. If there's two performances, they got they're probably just gonna pick one, or at least because they'll number the, you know, like ten through one. These are the ten greatest performances of the year, that type of thing. So people categorize it that way. But then also you could look at like foreign films. Um, Le'Veon Rose, brain fart. What's her name? Uh, Marion Cotillard. She won Best Actress that year for Le'Veon Rose. Hacksaw Ridge, by the way, not Heartbreak. Oh, Heartbreak, my bad. <laughs> Hacksaw Ridge for Andrew Garfield. Um, but Le- Levian Rose uh, is a French film, and she won Best Actress for it. Now, there was a different French film that was nominated that year for Best Foreign Language Film. It wasn't Levian Rose. And the way they handle the foreign film category is... Every country gets to send in a film. They don't send in like five. They just get to send in one. And so they thought at the time of these, the, I forget which production company, which French company was, had Le'Veon Rose's rights, or maybe they had the, and I forget the name of the other film. I mean, you could look it up, but the thing is, they're like, well, we're pretty sure Marion Cotillard has a really good chance at getting Best Actress for this. So we're going to put this other movie and try and get it nominated for Best Foreign Language Film. So then we'd have two movies at the Oscars, two French films that would win Oscars. Mm-hmm. So some of the, I guess, requirements, prerequisites for some of the categories are still a little archaic a little bit. kind of sounds weird. That, well, you can only turn in one movie per country. It's like, I know there's a lot of countries and a lot of movies to watch, but I don't know. If, 
you submit, and especially if it's a foreign language category, maybe they're just trying to give every country an equal chance. But I don't know. Maybe they just don't want to watch a thousand movies. I'm trying yeah, to I was going to say, because just because you campaign for a movie, <clears throat> let's say I was voting, I was on the Academy, and you have all these people campaigning their movies, I can vote for whatever movie I want, right? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you're going to vote for the people that paid you the most. Right. <laughs> That's the way it comes across a little bit. Because if, if you don't vote for the people that paid you the most, who's going to pay you next year? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What? How do they know how you voted? <laughs> <clears throat> That's right. Maybe uh, that uh, accounting firm, PwC, let somebody see, <laughs> let somebody see the uh, results. Oh well, let's hope they don't fuck up again this year. <laughs> or let's hope they do. <laughs> that was funny. It was funny. Also, with the Best Picture nominees, the Post. It's the new Steven Spielberg movie. Mm-hmm. It seems like it's just, hey, we got another Steven Spielberg movie with historical drama that's average. Throw it in. Let's let's nominate it. Yeah. That looks just like All the President's Men. Like, is it a remake or is it something different? It seems like it's very similar. And I know it's there's like, a, it's, it's like, based off of a true story. We can't have two guys in here. We'll put Meryl Streep in the other role. Because I, be- I, th- I believe the story is female centric because i think it was about the rise of a female writer or journalist from i forget the storyline but that's one well, of it's the it's about themes. the pentagon papers okay so essentially yeah. the you know u.s was lying about what was going on in vietnam and mm-hmm. and the nixon scandal stuff like that that kind of led to watergate um yeah all the president's men was about watergate right so this is kind of related but so, things maybe, i read maybe like a prequel right <laughs> Uh, the things I read is the story. I haven't seen it, but there's people in kind of investigative journalists and uh, intelligence people and stuff who've said that the story's kind of heavily dramatized because the post didn't do a whole shitload really to break the story. Mm-hmm. Um, New York Times did a lot. Daniel Ellsberg guy did a lot. Journalist. Um, and the books, I don't, I don't know what book it's based off of necessarily, but <clears throat> in whatever those two characters, Tom Hanks and Streep's characters, in their own books, they hardly talk about this. Like there's only ten pages dedicated in their own books to this, so it does seem like it's like a stretch just to try to, I don't know, make the post look badass or something. Yeah, probably. Well, doesn't Meryl Streep supposed to play uh, real life? female character who kind of rose to prominence because of that i don't became know. like head editor or something but daniel ellsberg the guy who drove like the publishing of the pentagon papers like he sent his story about the pentagon papers to tons of newspapers and wanted them to publish it all at the same time because he knew mm-hmm. the government would try to stop it in his own book about this he mentions tom hanks character once i think and he never mentions meryl streep's character mm-hmm that's just off of a couple articles I read. Yeah. Uh where people are like they're questioning like how dramatized did they Spielberg make this story type thing. Yeah. Cuz it was just like Bridge of Spies was last year, right? Yeah. Was that 2 years ago maybe? 2 years ago? I don't know. I don't know. Like I can't remember the last time I was excited for a Spielberg movie. 
Yeah. The, the thing I heard about their performance is they're like, well, it's basically Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep playing <laughs> Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep. <laughs> they're like, that's why, like, when we get the best actor, I'm, I think he's nominated, or maybe just no, Meryl. he was snubbed. Or Meryl Streep, she's nominated. She's nominated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was telling Sam that, like, the fortieth time, Margot Robbie got snubbed because she did fucking far better. And yeah. I, Tanya, she got nominated too. Margot Robbie, yeah. yeah, we'll get there. Did she? <laughs> just we'll, wait. We'll see. Oh, I just thought wait. only Alice and Janney did. <clears throat> but yeah, the post it just seemed like. Like, hey, this is a big budget movie, the big time director, big film company behind it. Came out, you know, just a few days before January, so it'd be eligible for the Oscars, and all of a sudden out nominated. It got good yeah. reviews, but the Jeff like Bezos. people didn't watch the screeners. I mean, I don't I have to believe most of them hadn't gotten to it yet. Did Jeff Bezos pay for it? I don't I don't know, maybe. <laughs> See the Amazon guy? Yeah, they own the Washington Post now. Okay. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I get an email every morning from Amazon. So here's Washington Post top stories. <laughs> Why? Uh, stop emailing me. Why are they emailing you? I don't know. I can't turn it off. Or I'm too lazy to turn it off. So, all right. <laughs> Jason's like, all right. <laughs> Whenever I get an email that I don't want, I scroll to the very bottom, and usually there's an unsubscribe button. I did get one the other day that didn't have one, and it really pissed me off. I don't want to hear from you people. Did you call the company? <laughs> those are usually it's on my to-do list. Those are usually phishing emails. That's putting malware on your system. Something ridiculous. <laughs> what was that? I don't know. And then when you hit unsubscribe, you got to put in your social security number, <laughs> your credit card number. Blood your, type. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's go to actor in a leading role. So there's Timothy Chalamet. I'm guessing. Call me by your name. Daniel D. Lewis for Phantom Thread. Daniel Kaluuya. Dude, is that how you pronounce it? Close enough. Sure. Kaluuya or Kaluuya? <laughs> I don't think it's Kaluuya. Mm, delicious. There's an H in Kaluuya. <laughs> yeah. He's <laughs> <laughs> got two U's back to back. Kaluuya. Kaluuya. Uh, Gary Oldman for The Darkest Hour. Denzel Washington for Roman J. Israel Esquire. We talked a couple episodes ago about Gary Oldman and how that article I saw was Gary Oldman's the Casey Affleck of this year's Oscars. Did you see that at all, Jones? Mm. We talked about it before, but basically there was a a domestic violence accusation against him from an ex-wife and then basically found out that ex-wife was full of shit. Commissioner Gordon. Yeah. (laughs) It was during divorce proceedings... And she was suing for sole custody, and not only did she lose that, but she, the judge gave sole custody to Gary Oldman and allowed her just visitation on the weekends. She was talking about you'd know, beat him over and over, and they were, went to the hospital a bunch of times, and there was no records of either her or the child being at the hospital ever for this stuff. She said they went to the emergency room and things like that, but basically we found out that it was kind of a, just a clickbait article that I saw and then I clicked on because <laughs> it was one of those where it showed like it wasn't video. It was just pictures with lettering over it with some of the lettering was colored in certain part, you know, parts to emphasize certain things, you know, which is never a good sign when you see that. But <laughs> near, did, did, did the link say there. sponsored next to it? No, it didn't. It didn't say sponsored, but it was something like, I don't know. It was probably like pop sugar or something. Probably. It was like, here, check out this uh, clickbait article. 
She's good for reading Yahoo. I read Yahoo all the day. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I kind of found out that was bullshit. And I thought, well, maybe, you know, because he's on his fifth marriage right now. He used to be married to Uma Thurman. And that was another thing. I looked up and none of these other actresses or people he'd been married to had said anything. So I thought, well, maybe that'll be like the tip of the iceberg. And there'll be a flood of all this shit about Gary Oldman over the past week or two. And nothing. Nothing. So. Damn, that would have made. Because he was Sid and Sid and Nancy. You know, mm-hmm. Sid Vicious. Mm-hmm. Well, he was Drexel. Beat, you know, <laughs> just a scumbag. <laughs> I can see Drexel doing that. <laughs> yeah. It kind of uh, reminds me of, uh, did you guys read an article about Aziz Ansari? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. He wasn't beating women, though. And that neither no, was Gary but Oldman, just, but just the, the allegations are a little different. Yeah, but yeah, just the allegations that... How many blowjobs did he get before she got <laughs> annoyed with it? Uh, yeah. I don't know. I can't remember how many it was, but. <laughs> it seemed like it was a tricky story. Infinite BJs. Infinite BJs. <laughs> you, need, you need that sound bite. <laughs> What's that from again? <laughs> Neighbors. Okay. When they're trying to turn the one fraternity dude against his brothers. <laughs> and he goes, do you realize what I get? If he gets through like Rush or whatever, he's like. Infinite BJs. <laughs> Infinite BJs. Infinite BJs. <laughs> All right, let's go to actress in a leading role. Sally Hawkins for The Shape of Water. Frances McDormand for Three Billboards. Margot Robbie for I, Tanya, Saoirse Ronan for Lady Bird. And Meryl Streep for The Post. What's Lady Bird about? Coming so, of age the, tale, the, the dog from uh, Lyndon Johnson's wife. <laughs> That's what I keep thinking. Of. <laughs> when I heard it was a movie, I was like, "Are they making a movie about?" We already dog? we already had this discussion last time. Damn. You missed it again. Yeah. If you had listened to the episodes, yeah, you you'd be it. caught up. We wouldn't have to stop and go back. I like to rehash. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag rehash. I, I started the same way. What's it about? Is it about Lyndon Johnson's wife? <laughs> and wait, we got to make all the old jokes again. I had one about the dog on King of the Hill, Lady Bird. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Lady Bird. Yeah. Because Lyndon Johnson's a Texan. Well, and then uh, sure Mulder gave us a, a history lesson on Lyndon Johnson. Oh, yeah. And, we were talking and about the Civil Rights is. Act. Yeah. He called it the N-word bill. Yeah, he's a vulgar dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. According to his White House biographer. I told a story about how he used to piss on the podium while giving speeches. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was I told a story about how one time uh, in Dallas he had the president murdered <laughs> so he could take over. And then I was talking about how he went to his tailor and it was like saying really vulgar stuff about how his balls got all sweaty or something. You know, we should just rehash that whole, yeah. that whole episode. It was a good to, episode. Just put about it, Linden. Put your just, guys' combo in post right here. <laughs> but it got deleted. Yeah, it got deleted by the blackout. The episode? Everything. A- well, I actually, thought, I thought the episodes didn't. Well, I have the... Well, you'd have to download it off of iTunes and then... Well, actually, it, technically, I do have that episode not on the... It's in a file format, so it's all together. But... And I don't want to... Do it again. <laughs> just just grab know. that and insert it here. There you go. <laughs> and then no. everybody's caught up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and now you guys realize that I didn't put it in, so <laughs> we're just going to move on. But yeah, Lady Bird, coming of age tale, teenage girl, high school... Or Metcalf's her mom. Not into it. And the Saoirse Ronan, this is her third nomination, and she's 23, I think. 
She's the new J Lo. What else was she in? Well, Jennifer J Law. Sorry, J Law. Jennifer Lawrence. Say, when did J Lo just start <laughs> racking in nominations? Platinum Records, dude. Selena. <laughs> yeah, wasn't she nominated for Selena? I I probably she not. might have been. Might have been. That was a good movie. I was just trying to think of other J Lo movies. Geely. Oh, come she up. was in uh, that one with Robin Williams. Enough. <laughs> <laughs> She's beating up with her husband. So yeah. uh, she was the one where Jack. she's uh, Jack. Jack. That's right. She's a teacher in Jack. Yeah. yeah. What else was she in? <laughs> out of sight? Did somebody say out that? Of sight? What was the one where is her out husband trying to kill her or something? That was enough. I think. That was enough. Oh, that was enough. Uh, she was, she was in the one where the she man. bangs the high school kid, boy next door. Yeah. That was out like was two years recently. ago. It was, yeah, it was, it was, was like two years long. ago. It looks terrible, but... I haven't you guys seen, seen, seen Girl Next Door, Alicia Cuthbert. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Good stuff. <laughs> Friend's name is Clitzy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So wasn't well, uh, the friend um, fucking what's his name? There will be blood. Um, Paul Dano. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. it is. Yep. Yep. I'm using that, and then the guy from uh, Whitest Kids, you know, Trevor. Are you thinking of Miss March? Uh, that's Miss March. Yeah, that's right. That's a that's a great one. Just, <laughs> just Friends brother is the one dude. I don't think he really did much. Ryan think... Reynolds' brother. Oh, yeah, friends. he's in Girl Next Door. Yeah, yeah. No. Wait, Ryan Reynolds' brother? Well, in, in the, the movie. movie. What movie? Just From... Friends. Just Friends' brother. I don't know. Well, go watch it. It's a delight. You gotta watch oh, all these it. other movies to it. figure out can't... who's in the other. I'm trying to remember movie. what his brother looks like. He uh, looks like the dude from Girl Next Door. Which, which <laughs> dude? Uh the the main guy. The main uh, or guy. not the main guy. Uh his buddy Neil Hirsch. No, 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 no. The one friend who says, Fuck her for me. Fuck her when she's when oh, he's walking yeah. that kid. That guy. Yep. I don't think you really okay. did. I totally forgot he was in that, uh, that other movie. I think you guys know the lines from those movies entirely too well. <laughs> Specifically, Girl Next Door. I've seen that movie so many times. <laughs> so many. All right, learning more about Jason every day. <laughs> so, best actor in a supporting role, we got Willem Dafoe for The Florida Project, Woody Harrelson, Three Billboards, Richard Jenkins for The Shape of Water. Christopher Plummer for all the money in the world, and Sam Rockwell. Yeah, um, Christopher Plummer replaced that pedophile Kevin Spacey, so he's yeah. got to win everything. Yeah, I, I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it nominated. necessarily because, yeah, I have not seen all the money in the world yet, but you could tell he was nominated just because they took Kevin Spacey out and put him in at the last second. He took a, he, he worked a hard three days on that movie. It's like the movie came out... <laughs> Like, did, those are like a few weeks after he was done with his performance. They did That's reshoots crazy. like a week before the, the release date. Yeah. That's insane. Uh, I did want to back up. One snub for best actor was Jake Gyllenhaal in Stronger. Okay, yeah. Stronger. I can see that. About the Boston bombing. You know, he was just guy in the side. Blues like a Based off a true story, but we watched that movie. Uh, he fucking kills it with the mm-hmm. Boston banter and... Acting like he ain't got legs the whole movie. Like, I thought, I thought he did <laughs> a good like job. Acting like he ain't got legs the whole movie. <laughs> oh, that's acting. <laughs> Gary Sinise, he yeah. did that. Yeah. 
Uh, I hope Chris Plummer wins and everybody gives him a standing ovation. <laughs> so then we can mock it on the post Oscars. <laughs> really stepped up. And then I hope a week later, something comes out about Chris Plummer grabbing ass five years ago. <laughs> Got to remake the movie now. Yeah. Got to edit him out. Call up George Lucas. He's probably, he's probably got a better lawyer. It's been quiet longer. Yeah. The set of A Sound of Music was just a dangerous, dangerous place for young girls everywhere, I'm sure. I did, I, I did enjoy the, uh, what was it, Mark Wahlberg asking for all kinds of money for the reshoot. It yeah. was like baked into his contract. And they had to redo it. Yeah. yeah and, and then like, they were saying how, like five million. That was like one point. Load. It was one point two. It was one point two. But who's yeah. the female lead in that movie? It was uh Michelle Williams, who everyone's talking about. Yeah, and they were saying how she offered to do it for free or something. Mm-hmm. A lot of people did, but Mark Wahlberg's like, No, no, no. My contract's <laughs> well, I'm sure it was mil. his agent. <laughs> well, right. And then people were like coming down on Mark Wahlberg. I was like, that's just a really good agent. <laughs> right. like, yeah. How are you going to give? Well, and people are pissed because Michelle Williams and him both had the same agency, not the exact person. Uh-huh. I was like, get pissed at the agency that right. they're killing it for Mark Wahlberg and old Michelle Williams kind of got cut out. It seems like that company should have well, maybe even cross-referenced their bit? clients and what yeah. movies they're involved in. Fucking Marky Mark. Dude, uh, it's good vibrations, yeah. Actress in a supporting role. Feel it, feel it. You know, <laughs> you know he committed a hate crime. Who did? Mark Wahlberg. Well, he he wanted think... beer. If you want beer, hate crimes come. <laughs> he tried to kill an Asian guy just because he's Asian. But like back see, I, day, I, I, I tend, a... I beg to differ a little bit. Right, tend to differ a little bit. I think it's because he wanted that case of beer. Was he like sixteen or eighteen or something? Yeah, he hit he hit like this guy with like a like a pipe in the face. Yeah, and blinded him pretty what much. Kind of pipe, like a metal pipe. Probably a lead pipe. Yeah. Okay, That's... I was thinking like he had a bong and he was just right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm like I, I'm not sure if he's fully blind, but I think he was at least partially in blinded one, in one eye, maybe. And he Wait. and he also almost died. A couple this, years ago, this uh, was when he was young, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. A couple years he was ago, like sixteen. Yeah. I always thought Donnie was the dangerous one, but no, I, there used to be all kinds of stories about Marky Mark back when he's in, you know, modeling Calvin Klein and shit. Now he's mm-hmm. just like, yeah, I remember uh, hearing just some a badass stuff, as a kid, or he was constantly in trouble. It's like, yeah, yeah. that's been around forever. I don't know why we care now. Well, Marky Mark was trying to get his hate crime uh, uh, expunged from his record a few years ago, and <laughs> oh no, it came the- back up, and everybody's like, "What? You committed a hate crime?" <laughs> He's like, yeah. It's like, shit, they forgot about it. Now I reminded them. He's like, never mind. I'll keep it on my record. <laughs> He's like, guys, I already told you. If I was on the plane, 9-11 wouldn't have happened, or at least not to the extent. So <laughs> Then he started punching himself in the chest real slow. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> That sweatshirt he wears in that movie is like a crop top the whole time. That was the fashion. Yeah, he's got like those big old Jinko baggy jeans and like a sweatshirt that comes up the ear. So you go pick one or the other. What are you doing here? Confusing time, I guess. The 90s. And so actress in a supporting role, Mary J. Blige from Mudbound. That's that movie that's on Netflix. Or hold up. Can we go back to sporting actor? Sure. Has anybody seen or heard anything about the Florida Project? Yeah. It was by the same uh, director. You seen it? 
No, I no. haven't. Uh, okay. It was at the theater for a little while. It was from the same director who did Tangerine. Was his debut a couple years ago, and that was heralded as an indie, you know, good indie movie. Um, and this new one, uh, Florida Project, looks the trailer. I mean, Willem Dafoe looks like he does a pretty fucking good job in it. So okay. I'm interested to see it. The rest of the actresses: uh, Allison Janney for Itania. Uh, Leslie Manville for Phantom Thread, Laurie Metcalf for Lady Bird, Octavia Spencer for The Shape of Water. She was, uh, was she nominated last year too for Hidden Figures? So that'd be so. two in a row for her. Well, and then she, didn't she win the year before that? Or No, I'm thinking of a different person. Remember when she was on that show Halfway Home on Comedy Central for one season before it got canceled? No. Mm-mm. But people mm-hmm. living in a halfway home? Nope. Yeah. <laughs> it's the only thing I remember her from. Your viewing then, habits are so bizarre. Then, then all of a sudden she's this well-respected, Oscar-dominated actress. And I'm like, what the fuck? She was on that shitty show on Comedy Central. <laughs> <laughs> How did that happen? Um, have you, you haven't seen Shape of Water. No. Either. No, I have not. Have you, Mulder? Uh, no, not yet. Oh, okay. I thought she did, did. She was good, but it was almost like, well, I don't know. It wasn't a stretch. Yeah. She's done enough bigger movies where it's kind of like, I don't know. I couldn't name somebody else who should be nominated in her place, but again, I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, Allison Janney killed it in Itania, though. You're just threatened yeah. by another black She's actress good. getting nominated. What's that? You're just threatened by another black actress getting nominated. The- well, there's two in the supporting category. There's two. How many are we going to give them? <laughs> That's the thing. You know, it's like, okay, there's 20. There's 20 spots for the acting categories, actor and actress, leading and supporting. So there's 20. So, there, you know, a couple years ago, there was there was all white, except for, uh, God, I can't remember. But last year, it was, wasn't there uh, five? There's, I think, five black, and then Dave Patel. Who's Indian? Well, he's English, I believe, but is isn't Dev? Was he Dev. Yeah, Dev Patel? Is he was he born in England? <laughs> Did you say Dave? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, thought, Dave I, thought said, I thought I said Dav. Dav. Yeah, I thought you meant Dave Patel. What the fuck did he get nominated <laughs> for? No, Dev Patel. This show hasn't been on in twenty years. I can't remember if he was actually like born in England or if he moved there with his parents, but he's of Indian descent, so he's a person of color. So I think because uh-huh. I think there was six last year. Um, but it seems like people only kick up a fuss, uh, for black people. Like nobody gives a shit about like Michael Pena not getting nominated for things or there's plenty of great Hispanic actors, Asian actors, like nobody gives a shit for them. But mm-hmm. as long as, you know, black actors are nominated, then everything's okay. I guess on the diversity front. Yeah. Michael Pena gets those Bud Light endorsements though. Yeah, he does making that money. Well, not anymore. Cause they replaced him with those white people in the dilly dilly commercials <laughs> <laughs> oh i hate those commercials but yeah so let's go to animated feature we have the boss baby somehow uh the breadwinner coco ferdinand and loving vincent did anybody see ferdinand my mother did for elementary school did she like it what grade is she, she at <laughs> she's a teacher assistant for I forget which 
I know adverse a glasses. Adverse youth. <laughs> adverse money youth. <laughs> no, just the regular oh. youth. Oh, the regular youth. Yes. Right. Gotcha. Sure. The normals. Because they need a the teacher assistant. The you, you seen know. Ferdinand? No, but I did see Coco. Coco was sweet. It was pretty cool. Yep. I did agree with you on uh, Lego Batman that Boss Baby I heard was dog shit. Um, so I could see that replacing it, but I I wasn't. Well, I didn't. I don't want Lego Batman to be nominated. No, no, no. I'm just saying I could say if you had it, to pick one, if you had to pick it. between them, I would absolutely Lego Batman. So I haven't seen Boss any Baby. of these Lego movies. Explain to me, like, how is the Lego thing? How do they work that in the plot? How is that like an important feature of? This picture is like a basis for their animation. Yeah, but the first one has a pretty cool twist at the end. Yeah. Where they actually incorporate like a kid and his dad is like had built a Lego, like a real mm-hmm. person. That that was kind of a neat twist. Mm-hmm. That's why like the Lego Batman one didn't do anything for me. Uh, also because the animation is real Legos. So they're they using use... real, not for all of it. Some of it's CGI'd. But they're using real Legos for a lot of it. Hmm. If you read up on it, that's why it's like it's pretty mm-hmm. fucking impressive. Yeah, there's some really cool some like shots just watching it. But that kind of after you see first see the see the first Lego movie, you're like, well, okay, now they're just gonna do that yeah. over and over again for different characters. Because yeah. Lego yeah. Batman is a spinoff of the Lego <clears throat> movie because he's a character in that movie. Okay, and he was yeah. funny in Lego Batman, uh, mm-hmm. or he was funny in the Lego movie. Um, What's his face? Who did the voice? Will Arnett. Yeah, like he was hilarious. But I was I watched the whole movie. I was like, yeah, the movie's not bad, but it's just it's not as good as Lego Movie, yeah. the original one. I wouldn't give Ninjango <laughs> the time of day. I guess. How, yeah. did, you, how did you say that? Is it Ninjango? Is that how you pronounce it? Ninjango. I don't think there's oh, a... Ninjago. Is Ninjago. That... Nin... Is there no N? I don't know. There's I mean, after the, the first, I didn't even know that's what you called the little ninja <laughs> Lego guys. I think it's based on a TV show. Is it? I think so. Oh, okay. Yeah, I had heard nin, it, they were just Ninjago. N i n j a g o. Oh, so no end. Thinking of the movie Django. I think so. Django on <laughs> doing a mashup. Unchained. Yeah. Let's go to cinematography. Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Which I really hope wins. If Darkest oh, Hour. Yeah. I'll go Dunkirk. Dunkirk. I might actually even favor. I think I might want Blade Runner 2049 for visual effects and then Dunkirk for cinematography. But damn it, if Roger Deakins doesn't win, that's going to be disappointing. He He's the cinematographer for Blade Runner and probably the most famous cinematographer working today, Roger Deakins. You look at his filmography and just like, oh, that's why every one of those movies looks fucking amazing because he shot those movies. So it would be nice for Blade Runner to win for Deacons, but what Nolan did with Dunkirk, um, that person is Hoyt Van Hoytema. H-O-Y-T-E. Hoyt. Hoyt. Van Hoyt. And then just add M-A. So Hoytema? I don't know. But... Dunkirk had amazing shots. Some of them were just so hard to pull off. You know, quite astounding. But then there's Mudbound and The Shape of Water. They're nominated there as well. Yeah, Dunkirk's pretty spectacular. 
mm-hmm. with the shots. I fell asleep. So we bought Blade Runner and we watched the first one because Sam had never seen the original Blade Runner and we put it in the second one. And I struggle with fantasy movies because mm-hmm. I read a lot of nonfiction. And if it's very sci-fi and you're building a whole new universe, if I start to get lost and I'm tired, I completely <laughs> shut down and mm-hmm. I fell asleep during Blade Runner. <laughs> The new one? <laughs> yeah. Mm. I, and I will admit, it's not because of the movie. It's strictly because I started to doze off, and I think I missed a part. And then I went, what the fuck is going on right now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I couldn't grasp what was going on, so then I just said, fuck it, and I fell asleep on the couch. Mm. I did that watching the first one. Like, I fell asleep maybe 30, 40 minutes in, and then I woke <laughs> up, and they're like, it's the last five minutes. Like, what the fuck are they talking about? I was like, God, that, it was really good. I just, you lost me and then I'm done. Like, you'd have to start it over. You'd have to go back like 30 minutes to catch me back up. So it's like three fucking hours. I never went back and rewatched it. Did I read that uh, Rachel Morrison for Mudbound was the first ever female cinematographer nominated? Possible. Did I read that? Could be. First time ever. For the directing category, there's uh, Christopher Nolan for Dunkirk, Jordan Peele for Get Out, Greta Gerwig for Lady Bird, who is, I believe she's, I think there's only been like five women ever nominated for Best Director. Yeah, I I think that was part of the same headline. Paul Thomas Anderson for Phantom Thread, and the Guillermo del Toro for The Shape of Water. So there's there's some heavy hitters in there. So when you think about the best director, how are you critiquing them? It's the hardest one to do. Right. Because You have to kind of real. really know the director, I, I feel, to really get what they did to that movie. Because they're kind of what sets it apart from others. Like when you see a Tarantino movie, you're, if you didn't know what the name of it was or who it was directed by, and you had seen all of his other ones, you'd be like, well, this is a Tarantino movie. I mean... Even if he didn't have a cameo in it, you'd be like, <laughs> hey, this is a Tarantino movie. Well, um, a lot of that is, I mean, the story itself, too, and the dialogue and stuff, like mm-hmm. the writing, right? Yep. That makes it the style. recognizable as Tarantino. Yeah, it's a little easier for Tarantino since he does write yeah. uh, his movies. But um, certain style you can kind of get used to. Like Jordan Peele, he's new to the scene, so he doesn't have like a huge body of work you can look at and compare, but... Um, directing's kind of, you know, it's getting the best out of their actors. It's getting, you know, it's collaborating with the cinematographer to get the shots that they want and tell it in a story that they want to tell it kind of like specifically with Dunkirk, um, which I think Dunkirk will also get the editing Oscar because of how the movie is set up. If you've seen Dunkirk, it's very, it's a very weird timeline where there's three separate timelines that take different lengths of time that they jump back and forth between all of them throughout the whole movie until they kind of meet up at the end of the film. Mm-hmm. So it's like one timeline is just like one story is just an hour long. One is like a couple of days and one's like close to a week long and they overlap each other and they kind of go back and forth and tell you, you know, it jumps back and forth constantly. So it's kind of jarring at first, but it's a unique way to kind of tell that story. I mean, sometimes those decisions could be made in the editing room, but you don't do that type of editing to a film, especially like a Nolan film without him asking you to do it. If it was some random director's like, I'm going to do a movie called Dunkirk and tell the story, 
And then they just gave it to the editor and he, here you go. And it's like the way Nolan did it. No, that wouldn't happen. That was, you can tell that's kind of specific. Nolan, he may not edit everything, but he had a certain way he wanted to tell the story. It seems like it would be really hard to vote on these kind of behind the scenes roles in films because a lot of them Mm -hmm. overlap so much. And if you're, especially, I mean, I don't know a ton about the behind the scenes of making a movie, but seems like you'd need to be really familiar with that process and with the people that, you know, are nominated to be able to say, like, exactly what they did in a movie. Yeah. And they tend to go with Best Picture nominees. I mean, they don't, they don't figure out the Best Picture nominees and then figure out the other nominees. I don't think that's the way they do it. I think it's kind of all at once. But generally, the nominees are all, are usually nominated for Best Picture as well as Best Director, especially now that there's more than five Best Picture nominees and only five directors. It's rare to have a movie that's just Best Director and not nominated for Best Picture because mm-hmm. all the Director ones uh, nominees are also nominated for Best Picture. So, Yeah, this this is one that I always immediately go, well, what was the best movie? And then it's like, well, you're not supposed to do that. But I sometimes struggle to understand... How people are judging what the it. Di- no, I struggle to understand what the director did to make it great sometimes. Mm-hmm. Tarantino, it's easy because you know, you know, everybody knows his process. So, you know I mean, like Kubrick, that's the easy one, too. I mean, you kind of know how ingrained they are in it. And like Christopher Nolan tells, tells cool stories, but in all honesty, if they didn't write the screenplay, then I. Sometimes I'm unsure how much they did besides just manage people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. The Kubrick and uh granted he adapted a lot of books. Uh but Tarantino wrote almost all of his screenplays, I believe. Mm-hmm. Or at least co wrote them. So then you know like you're writing the story and so you have the vision all the way through. But if you didn't write the story and you're directing it, it's kinda like I don't know. I kinda ding you a little bit. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's not right, but the only way i know how to say what the fuck a director did i don't know yeah like how involved are the directors in the storyboard like figuring out scene by scene what's going to happen where the camera is going to be yeah it's hard to figure out like which directors are more hands-on than others yeah it almost seems like you'd almost need to be on the set and like watch them work to really know exactly i think that's the reason typically people just kind of vote for the best movies they're like oh that must have been a hell of a directing job. That's why it's going to be nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. Well, directors coach like delivery and, you know, stage movement and stuff like that, too. But you could also be a crappy director and just have really amazing actors, right? Yeah, You don't need to give them any direction. That's right. Even like the editing process, like there's really good editors that probably don't get shit for credit when they're, because they do have some say in how the movie's edited. You know, they're not just sitting there tweaking wheels. They're giving their opinion and shit like that too. So it's like get a good editor, really good actors and somebody else wrote the story and you're just trying to make it work. Then it's like, well, yeah, you could be a good director, but you didn't do a whole lot besides just make sure shit didn't blow up. A lot of people will say that editing is the most overlooked Fuck yeah, it is. job <laughs> and not in category at the Oscars, like everything, because a lot of people will say, well, the editor, he's the one who fucking puts the movie together. 
Right. He kind of makes the movie. He gets all the footage and he chops it all together himself. And sometimes uh, directors will get involved at different levels. Like uh, Tarantino would would work with Sally Menke until she died. She did all of his films until Hateful Eight. So I think she died right after. Or maybe, no, she died before Django Unchained, I think. Right around there. But anyways, but like Robert Rodriguez, you know, he edits all his own films. And some directors would do that. It's kind of rare, but, and there might be some directors that just kind of sit in and maybe give a little direction or just see what the editor's doing and like, yeah, I keep doing that. That so looks good. who decides what take to use? Like they have 30 takes for each scene. Does the editor get one take of each scene that the director's already chosen or do they have to choose themselves? Or is uh, the I'm guessing it's different for, morning? could be different for everyone. Yeah. Everyone's process is different probably. And like, you know, well, some they, people well, they just, do, and they do dailies, like, right? Like I mean, Clint's, after you film uh, for a day, they'll all sit down and watch the scenes that were just the scenes. I mean, it's probably different, but I know that occurs pretty regularly. Hmm. So you're just watching that day. And then I assume the director's like, crap, they don't use any of it, but maybe they consider all of it. I don't know. Yeah. I always talk about what the opening of Apocalypse Now, that opening shot was like a throwaway shot that they ended up just kind of filtering in mm-hmm. where it just opens and you just see the helicopter spinning and the music kind of like that was supposed to not ever make it in the movie. Then that became the opening shot because yeah. somebody stumbled across and was like, Oh, that'd be cool. It was just an accident. Really? Clint Eastwood is famous for doing very, like a very small number of shots, like one to three tops. Yeah. So for those type of directors, it wouldn't be that big of a deal. You just kind of find the best one. Or if you, no, if Kubrick is still alive, he'd be <laughs> that, doing, there'd be some like, scenes where it'd be over a hundred shots. That's like Gran Torino takes. turned out the way it did. <laughs> <laughs> well, they got those young actors that. Three, three shots. Yeah. That's they it. only had three shots and they needed about 10 at least to get everything down. God, yeah. that movie just disappoints me every time I see it. Well, you, you can watch it for Clint still. Well, right. That's He's the only thing. But God, <laughs> some of those scenes are no good. I know a guy that was in Gran Torino. Oh, really? Yeah. Girlfriend's cousin. Oh, yeah? Yep. Was he just like well, an extra in the background? Or uh, he was one of the gang guys. I actually haven't seen it, full disclosure. Ooh. What does he look like? Is he short and fat? No. Tall? Yeah. Blue eyes. Dreamy. No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> There's two distinct gang guys. I don't know. The leader, who's tall and whatever, and then his one kind of muscle. And he's like, it reminds me of my friend Abel. <laughs> <laughs> I think that will do it for, I mean, there's plenty of other categories that we'll discuss probably ad nauseum later on, but I think we've given, up, uh, given you enough on the Oscars today. Let's go to a, do a quick round of what have you seen lately? What did you see, Clarice? What did you see? What did you see, Eric Mulder? Well, I saw a movie called American Maid. It's kind of a forgotten about movie from this year. So like a maid in America, like with the, nope. the French maid outfit. <laughs> did they Black just... and white. Did you know what M-A-D-E. We don't review pornos. Multiple. It's not M-A-I-D. <laughs> oh, okay. M-A-D-E. All right. So did they just play Hulk Hogan's WCW entrance theme like I'm the whole movie? A real American. <laughs> no, that that one, the American Made song from WCW. 
You don't know. Yeah, that don't one. you fucking know? Don't you know the CW one? Don't you know that one? I know he was in the wolf pack, the the, the black wolf pack. Woo! <laughs> 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 it was NWO Hollywood. The wolf pack was the other oh, one. Oh, there you go, NWO Hollywood. Yeah. So Mer- anyways, <laughs> American Made came out 2017. Uh, directed by Doug Lyman, starring Tom Cruise, Domino Gleason, Sarah Wright. Oh, that one. Jesse Plemons, Caleb Landry Jones. Domino mm. Gleason was in that? Yep. I saw that movie and I do not remember seeing him. Do you remember he was a CIA contact. Oh, man. So, storyline is the story of Barry Seal, an American pilot who became a drug runner for the CIA in the 1980s in a clandestine operation that would be exposed as the Iran-Contra affair. Yeah, right over there? <laughs> Hitting that lamp. Lamping. Yeah, it's over there lamping. <laughs> Just lamping. <laughs> Don't. Just, you know, oh, yeah, you okay. tell me if you guys change up anything else. <laughs> Don't ruin it. Don't ruin <laughs> lamping for everybody. <laughs> I remember Domino Gleason now. Okay. Yep. Yep. He was in that. So yeah, it's obviously based on a true story. Um, Barry Seal. That was the guy's name. Uh, he was a pilot, like a TWA kind of pilot, and uh, kind of one of the younger pilots ever. He's kind of a hot shot. He was. A, he, I guess you could call him a Top Gun, if you will. Oh. Yeah. Well, anyways, he just starts uh, making a lot of money running drugs and guns and a whole bunch of other shit for the CIA and gets into the Escobar, you know, Colombian cartel stuff in Grenada, right? Uh, or no, like El Salvador. Mostly, and I mean, Central America. Colombia was, was the big mm-hmm. place for that stuff. Well, right? for the drugs, but I'm talking about the, the wars, oh. the revolutions that were going on in Central America at the time. Um, that the CIA helped fund. The right, Sandinistas. Right. Yes, the Sandinistas. But uh, yeah, this movie came out, I believe, early summer. And it was like over 90%. There was a lot of buzz. Like, this is one of the best movies of the year. Yeah. You know, Actually, the reason I saw that movie was because I like to just go on Rotten Tomatoes, look at the top rated stuff and see it without knowing anything about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sure that's what you do. <laughs> so that is... Yeah, I went into it knowing absolutely nothing about it, and then... Oh, I say, you do do that. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were joking. They're being sarcastic. <laughs> no. I well, I avoid... <laughs> I like to know nothing about the movie, just the RT score. No, I'm so That doesn't get along with Elks over there. He's on a boycott. Well, because He's on boycott, RT boycott. Boycott's well, I, still in effect. <laughs> well, I boycott commercials, so I never see movie previews except before movies that I'm actually seeing in the theater. He's like so, George Costanza's dad. <laughs> Uh, I gotta go in fresh <laughs> but really I don't know I, I like seeing a movie without knowing anything about it like I mm-hmm. like experiencing what I consider a work of art without having pieces of it yeah. kind of already spoiled for me you know mm-hmm. yeah, I can see that but yeah so then started watching it and realized it was like the same story that I had just watched in Narcos oh right <laughs> Because, yeah, I mean, it has even a lot of the same characters. Yeah. Like, uh, Tom Cruise's character is in Narcos for a little bit. It's not like the exact same story, but 
a lot of overlap there. But yeah, um, getting back to American Made, I'd say it is a lot of fun. I give it a WTM eventually. It isn't like top 10 of the year necessarily material. I may not revisit it all that much, but it has a pretty good pace to it. Tom Cruise is really good. Like the cast is really great together. Nothing like they killed a stunt man. Did they? Yeah, that's the one where the stunt man died. Doing all oh, the so Walking Dead, they had a stunt man die. But... Plane tricks. Oh, that's right. Plane yeah. Tricks. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, the plane that's... stunts because Tom Cruise and whoever directed it kept adding more and more, and it just like too much, and the guy crashed. Yeah, mm. I think a pilot died. Yeah. So honor his memory and go out and see American Made. Can you imagine working on a movie, and then somebody dies, and you're like, "Well, we got to make the rest of this movie." Gotta Talk. pay his widow. People gotta eat, dude. Yeah. <laughs> poltergeist. People are dying after the poltergeist. <laughs> <laughs> except on, for coach. On set. Op, yeah, except for coach. I mean, he won't die. <laughs> like, he's probably tried a couple times. <laughs> yeah, it's very uh, it's quick pace to it, but it's a very interesting story. Pretty fascinating stuff. All the Central American, uh, Iran Contra stuff. So if you're, especially if you're into history or, you know, the U.S. fucking up back in the day or the CIA specifically, this will be up your alley. A lot of fun characters like Pablo Escobar popping up out of nowhere. But, yeah, American made. Cool. Brett, the floor is yours. <laughs> is, it, is it mine now? Can I go? Yeah. Get it. Tell me when to go. Tell us uh, about your 60s movie. <laughs> 1965. <laughs> uh, the Naked Prey. Directed by Cornell Wilde, starring Cornell Wilde, and a bunch of other people that you you, you wouldn't recognize. Uh, during the 1800s, a safari guide, two elephant hunters, and their crew run into trouble with the natives in the South African Veld when they refuse to offer gifts to the tribesmen. So, this movie was pretty interesting. <laughs> so what happened? You lost me at oh really old period piece. <laughs> I I like period pieces, but not period pieces made in 1965. So it's in color. It's not oh, yeah. like it's in black and white or anything, and it doesn't it doesn't seem aged or anything like that. Yeah. Um, it's just in the 1800s sometime. Uh, this Cornell Wilde, his character is leading a uh, elephant hunting expedition in Africa with some other white Europeans and uh, they got some uh, tribesmen to come help them with the the hunt or whatever. Uh, And along the way they pass through another tribe's territory and they say, well, you know, give us some stuff and we'll let you through. And the guy that's paying for the hunting party says, fuck you guys, you know, we're not, not spending any money on, on these guys. And they just like say, you know, we're going to just go through. Well, that tribe wasn't having it, so they went and uh, fucking captured the hunting party, uh, fucked up some of their guys, and then the uh, the guide, they stripped him naked, and then uh, they gave him like a 30-second head start, and then 10 of the tribe's warriors hunted him for the next like hour and a half. Nice. So there's very little dialogue. Uh, most of the movie is the chase. Uh, it's loosely based on a true story of a guy who was uh, put through the same type of thing by some Native Americans 
in the uh, the Western frontier in the 1800s. Mm. Um, they did it in Africa because it was cheaper to film there. But uh, apparently it was nominated for Best Screenplay. Mm-hmm. Even though, like I said, there's very little dialogue. Uh, the Chase is pretty fantastic. I'd say WTM eventually because um, it's not like the greatest movie of all time, but it was really entertaining. So I would recommend it. Would you say there's like a message in it? Or is it super racist or something? <laughs> I would think like in 1965, moving about an African tribe not really. might not be super accurate. Well, I don't know. I guess it depends on how you look at it. I Obviously, the white character is the main character, so he's the protagonist. Mm-hmm. So if you look at it that way, oh, it might be racist, but, you know, it's based on a true story of something that happened in America with... Native American tribe and white, uh, you know, hunters and settlers or whatnot. So interesting, but it's not like like there are some racist characters in it, but like the main protagonist isn't himself racist. It just well, he well, got. Couldn't in- you say that they blackwashed this movie, not whitewashed, because <laughs> they got rid of Native Americans and put in, black, you know, Africans instead of Native Americans. Well, it was just based on a story about Native Americans. Yeah. They wa- they would have done it in America, but it was too expensive. So. I know. That's what, that's what I'm saying. You know, when when there's a story about people of color and it's just a bunch of white people, you know, they call it whitewashed. Well, if it's a story about Native Americans and then they take them out and put in a bunch of blacks, then wouldn't that be blackwashing? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they're interchangeable because they're both <laughs> tribes. You know. I suppose. But... uh it was, it, was, uh, it was pretty fun. Um, you know, WCM eventually. All right. Jonesy? Um, I saw a film from 1979 called The Rose. <laughs> he finally saw The Rose. I finally watched The Rose. So this was recommended to me by my mom. Pretty solid. So The Rose... Is the tragic life of a self-destructive female rock star who struggles to deal with the constant pressure of her career and the demands of a ruthless business manager. It's largely based off of Janis Joplin, who Bette Midler plays. It stars Bette Midler, um, Alan Bates, Frederick Forrester, Harry Dean Stanton has a small little role in there. Um, that's kind of the major people. Directed by Mark Rydell. So this was actually nominated for, what was it, four get Oscars? The Mike, those are damn. Uh, nominated for four Oscars, didn't win any, but uh, it's pretty good. This is WTM eventually. Um, if you're at all interested in Janis Joplin and her career, um, it's a must see, I would say. I love Janis Joplin. Um, but Bette Midler kills it. The music's really good. It follows kind of that bluesy rock style. Um, and Bette Midler's a known singer so i mean she does a really good job but the story's pretty good too um and how it kind of follows it's a little over two hours so it gets a little long but overall it's a pretty good flick i would say wtm eventually we just just a few eventuallys in here jason are you gonna what you got you gonna continue the chain here <laughs> or are you gonna break it up i don't know i might continue it it's hard to well i'll, I'll just get into it <laughs> Are you? That was was all I had for. (laughs) That's it. That's all I got. Okay. I watched 
two movies. Uh, one is the sequel of the other. I was looking for clips, Jason clips. So I watched Friday the 13th, 1980. Betsy Palmer, Adrian, somebody. Have you never seen Friday the 13th? Mm-hmm. I had never, never seen, seen the original Friday oh, the 13th. Oh, shit. Yeah. We um, discussed it on the last episode. <laughs> God, I missed out yeah. on a lot. <laughs> so Betsy Palmer is Mrs. Voorhees. Adrian King is Alice, the lone survivor. Janine Taylor, Robbie Morgan, Kevin Bacon, who I was surprised to see, did not know he was in it. Harry Crosby, Laurie Bartram, etc. I'm probably the only person uh, that is either in this podcast or listening to this podcast that hasn't seen this movie, so I don't know how much I need to say about the plot. Came to say, well, Jason's not too involved in the first one. That's true. I was surprised at that. Too. Steals Jason the show. But he doesn't show up until <laughs> like the last show. 10 minutes. Uh, but yeah, so. They talk about him a lot. They don't even You're talk like, about him a ton. Jason guy. When. Oh, most of it is just people getting killed. Maybe not so, by name. Who's that boy who got killed over here last you know, 20 years ago? Oh, you mean Jason? Yeah, they mentioned that like once or twice at the beginning, and the, then it's a bunch of people getting killed. The little boy drowned. Oh, they got drinking and banging to do, you guys. <laughs> yeah. Bringing the vibe down, talking about some dead kid in the lake. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Why didn't they fish him out? <laughs> well, like, who cares at this point? He's been 1980. I don't know if they can really drag the lake in that part of the state. Yeah, it was a big lake. It takes yeah. a lot of time. It's Crystal Lake. Nobody had scuba gear. Kid probably decomposed already. They ain't getting paid for that. <laughs> so for anyone that hasn't seen it, uh, they're, they're reopening a camp where a kid drowned decades ago, and they, they closed the camp. They're reopening it. All the uh, the new counselors are there making out and whatnot. They all get killed. And then you find out that Spoilers. Yeah. Spoilers. <laughs> Spoilers. Spoilers. You're trying to get people to watch this thing. You're spoiling it. Okay, well, I'll leave the twist then. I think we already said. Jason's mom is the one killing everybody because she blames all the counselors that were running around having sex instead of paying attention to her kid. Rightfully so. <laughs> it was their job. What would yeah. you think of the babysitter was banging people and they're supposed to be watching your kid? They should die. Well, you should. You should get a home stenographer so you know for sure. They were, yeah, I don't know. There were a bunch of counselors, right? And only two of them were off having sex. So it seems like there should have been enough left to still keep an eye on sweet, innocent That's little what I'm Jason. Saying. Yeah. But what would you rate it? You've never seen it before. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard. Maybe I still don't totally get the rating system because personally, it's hard to watch old movies with the same standards as you watch new movies, you know? Yeah, and they're, especially, so much, they're so much better, those old ones. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to look at it. But You're having trouble with all the tropes and cliches yeah, that you well, keep on seeing? Especially in horror movies. Like, the horror genre takes a ton from past horror movies. And Friday the 13th was such a classic one that like all the new horror movies contain pieces of Friday the 13th. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So to go back and watch it in the context of seeing all these new horror movies, it's like, this is all so cliche. Yeah. But in 1980, it wasn't cliche, you know? So. Because Mulder has an issue with this. 
with Friday the 13th. An issue? You find it kind of boring. Uh, the you don't first find one? it that like, shocking? I, I, I think it's a little... I think it's slightly overrated, but yeah, that yeah. I think I like I like three better, I like four better, and I like six better than the first one. Yeah, most, three, four, and six. Once once they get Jason in there as a main character, it gets way better. But yeah, I think you I think you have to think too. of it at, in the context of the time. Yeah, yeah, which is tough to do. Like I called it eventually. I still think it's. I recognize that it's. Well, it wasn't really groundbreaking because it wasn't like it was the first slasher or even camp slasher, but it was one of the firsts. Mm-hmm. But it, it was kind of a cool twist at the end. You know, yep. I expected to see Jason, and then it's like, wait a minute. Through the movie, you see people like looking at the killer. You don't see the killer, but you see people like looking into the camera. You're mm-hmm. seeing through the eyes of the killer. You're like, wait, if that was Jason, they would be freaked out or something, you know? So it's somebody else. And you find out it says mom. Oh. I think it's also worth watching because of Tom Savini's special effects work, which is phenomenal in there. Especially when Bacon gets that knife through the throat. That's fucking sweet. Yeah. So, There's some cool There's stuff. a lot of cool special effects that he did throughout a lot of movies in the eighties, but better or worse than the prowler. Mm, well special effects, I mean. Well no, you rate it. You rate it. Yeah, I'd say eventually. It's I mean, it's fun to watch. It's a classic. Mm-hmm. You'll recognize a lot of those horror tropes and kind of see where a lot of them came from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fun. I remember watching Friday the 13th. I had seen that one and then some of the later ones. And then when I actually went back and started watching them, I remember seeing, you know, you knew you don't see Jason, the first one. I remember seeing the second one and going, why the fuck doesn't he have his hockey mask yet? <laughs> yeah. That was the other I was one. Like, I why? watched that one I, yesterday. I, I was still like surprised that it took until three for him yeah. to get that hockey mask. I was like. And it's pretty long. And that's into like iconic. Movie Wait, right. I'm like, yeah. that's like. what it's spoiled for me how he gets the mask. I'm still. That's the next one I got to watch. Right. But it's like, I remember thinking like the whole. Everybody thinks of Jason the hockey mask. And it's like, yeah. it took three fucking movies to get that <laughs> <Right>? hockey mask. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it was kind of cool seeing the origin of that character. Because I, you know, I think I mentioned before, I'd only seen like Freddy versus Jason. So I knew very little about the Jason character. I, of course, had seen the hockey mask and mm-hmm. the machete and stuff, but it was interesting to kind of see the backstory. He is kind of a tragic figure. Like, he's not just some mindless killer. Yeah. I did, I, I did like, it took forever to get the hockey mask, but I did think it was kind of cool to go back and look and be like, you know, he wore the, I won't ruin the second one for you. Oh, I just, I just watched it last night. Oh, the second one, too? Yeah. Oh, that's right. The bag on his head with just the eye hole. <laughs> yeah, that was, <laughs> was like, weird. Like Jason's like got he's like I gotta get some experience in this killing thing. <laughs> and then once he got down like the tactical skills, he's like, all right, I gotta I gotta get my shit together. Get a better uniform. Need some better gear here. <laughs> Love the bag. Would you? Just what would you rate one two? I just say eventually too. I mean, yeah. it's yeah, it's very similar to the first one in a lot of ways. Well, yeah. like mother, like son, you know. There you, you go. You know it is. Yep. It's hard out there on Crystal Lake. Oh, and then <laughs> I thought it was kind of funny that like the first 10 minutes of the second one is just a recap of the first mm-hmm. one, basically. 
They do that with that's, the third one as well. Yeah. That's basically how all the sequels start. Okay. Until maybe six. Yeah, I don't know. Six, the first one, they don't do that. Might be five. But regardless, yeah. yeah. Well, this has turned into one humdinger of an episode. Yep. Anything else you guys want to add before we call it quits for the day? Nope. No. It's a big nope. All right. Puzzly nope. Well, we will give our predictions, like we (laughs) said earlier, predictions for the Oscars will be coming out around the same time or maybe even in the same episode as our best of 2017 top 10 list. But uh, in the meantime, we'll have plenty more episodes coming out. Um, reach out to us. Email us at watchthismovie at yahoo.com. Check out our website at wtmwatchthismovie.com. You can follow us on Twitter at watchthis underscore movie. And please rate and review, subscribe, iTunes and or Stitcher. Other than that, we will check you later. All right, check you later. Bye. Wait, man, why are you always such a dork, man? What are you talking about? Check you later. Check you later. (laughs) Hey, man, you're off my case.